Floyd, but still, like, he's no he's no dummy. I mean, he knows it's all calculated. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. It, anyway. But it's it's like it's kind of like mix. It's a mix of like fighting, but it's also like WWE. Like you have yeah. to be this kind of you have to be a character for people to have a following, for people to want to pay to watch you. So. You, you know that's why the rock was the rock right he was the most like kind of charismatic kind of wrestler uh at the time and people just loved him and people would just tune in just to see the rock right it's the same 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 way there's a certain amount of showmanship in all this it's wild mm. all right well maybe we'll cut that maybe we'll put that at the end yeah sorry um, dude. <laughs> no, no 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 it's all it's all it's all good yeah um Okay, so I think the a question that's sort of bubbling up for me that I wanted to get your take on, and I think you and I are both, I think it's a great, could be a great conversation because uh, of, of both of our jobs and, and kind of our, our, our past. So I think a lot about uh, product and marketing. Mm-hmm. And we, I think in the tech world, there's a lot of confusion around where does product end? Where does marketing begin? Do you even need marketing? Is it all product? And mm-hmm. given that you're head of product, I'm uh, a director technically on the marketing on the marketing side of things. It's um, it might be kind of interesting to sort of go back and forth and and see if there really is a difference. Well, there's just clearly a difference, but like like how how big of a difference? there maybe should be how much of it is structural how much of it is is just you know companies calling the same thing different things and and really where do you think the ultimate kind of value is like if you had to sort of if you had to pick on on where you would want to dial into like what do you ultimately think is most important so maybe the maybe the kind of opening question to kind of kick the kick the ball there is mm-hmm. Do you does Sego have a marketing team? We do. And what's the goal of the marketing team at Sego? Um essentially kind of like spread it's a lot of it at Sego is like generally like brand building brand awareness. Um but also, you know, trying to get people to buy our products really at the end of the day. And then what um, would what, what what would the product metric like the what's the the goal of the product team to make beautiful things really and do you think that could could one exist without the other yeah so okay so i was thinking about this a bit and i think i think where it's it's weird is that i think traditionally or like historically you know it was like there's product people who made beautiful things there's customers who want those beautiful things and there's marketing in the middle who are kind of bridging that gap right but I think now, if you look at just the state of things on the internet and everything else, it's like a lot of people are just going direct to customers. So because you go direct to customers, the role of the marketing team is a little different or the, the marketing team's kind of uh, changed. It, in some ways, it, it, it's, I think, bigger on brand, but it's also um, they, they get kind of rolled into the, the product teams sometimes because now if you are talking directly to the customer you are getting kind of doing consumer research on things which maybe historically would have fallen fallen under a, a marketing side of things um you, that, that that loop is tighter now because like you want to get that feedback from customers it feeds right into the product um 
And so if you look at a lot of teams, it, it is kind of blurry, that line of marketing and product, because um, a lot of people are just going direct to, to the Well, and like in your mind, like who owns the relationship between what we like who whose whose job is it to figure out what should we build next so um the way we structure things at sago like jason our ceo he takes care of all that stuff so he's really uh thinking about like what are the next kind of products we're building and he's doing a lot of the kind of early kind of concept stuff with everybody um we have like people on the toy side who we do they do kind of uh, a lot of like concept development and stuff there as well. Um, but yeah, but generally at Sego, it's like, you know, Jason owns that, but it's input from everybody though. And then let's say like, so take it away from, from Sego. Like if you were, if you were building um, a company or if you saw yourself just from like other companies and stuff you've been at or, or through friends, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you think that, because um, we, we struggle with this at, at Hubba and I think we've actually, got a pretty good good solution for it but the like if we, if we look back at the the masters that we did so where we met we were at the dgp doing um uh kind of like user-centered design maybe mm -hmm. is the best mm -hmm. uh which really is a product it's like that would you agree that that our training almost set us up to be product people yeah probably that or like researchers but yeah but yeah, okay, so so then, but that kind of leads into that. So I think you kind of answered the question where, to me, the research typically would fall more on, nowadays, on the product side. Mm -hmm. Like, it's up to the product managers to know, okay, this is how, so take the, I always look at Google as kind of the, the gold standard where um, the product managers at Google are really the the elite class at at Google. They are the most important people. They command the most respect, salary, responsibility. And so if you're the product manager of Gmail, it's your job to know how people use email. And mm -hmm. you're trying to build something to fix email for a whole group of people or for a very specific or very broad set of people. But you mm -hmm. own you own the problems of email. And well, you're kind of trying to identify the problems, really, right? Yeah, but I mean, like you own it in the, like your the, the the problem space of email is in your like marketing isn't feeding that to you. Like it's up to yeah. you to go and get that data. So you're and from what I've heard of how Google works is if there was something that the product team needed, they would essentially farm it out to marketing from a research perspective. So maybe marketing would do the execution, but it's mm -hmm. in service of, of product. Um, no, no. So it, it's in service of product, but then I guess, I don't know, is it, something like doing research, would that traditionally have been like a marketing role? I think, yeah. Like in the, if you go back to kind of Mad Men, uh, mm -hmm. Mad Men, that's really where marketing, you know, you hire an ad agency, the ad agency would provide two things for you, uh, three things really. They'd provide creative, mm -hmm. they would provide buys, so they would buy media for you, TV, mm -hmm. radio, print. Mm -hmm. And they would have market research, which would uh, test the creative against the the audiences that you were buying the ads for. So that was mm -hmm. that was really only the three services of these ad agencies. And then marketing teams basically became in-house ad agencies. So 
some companies who were big enough started trying to do what ad agencies could do internally, which became marketing teams. And that's kind of how marketing as a field and profession sort of grew, um, you know, uh, before really the kind of uh, internet, internet and TV revolution when the tools kind of became more commoditized. But before that, research would have fallen um, more into that marketing, like market research, right? That's the whole kind of marketing, yeah, yeah. market research. But but it's, but it's also like kind of different. This is kind of like what we were talking about when we were uh, jamming about sports a bit, is that there's a lot of things are just data-driven now, right? Like if you have Gmail, if you're the product owner of Gmail, you have stats on basically how the analytics of how people are using it, how often they're coming in, where are they coming from, um, what are they doing when they're here? What features are being used, not being used? And it's so granular and there's so much data there that it's like the, that market research stuff needs to be asking bigger questions. Yeah, because because, because yeah. That, that, that in-product data is not going to tell you what people want. It's only going to tell you what they're using. You know, and it, mm-hmm. it kind of goes to like, what was your feeling on this Steve Jobs very famous quote that, you know, we don't do market research at Apple because people don't know what they want. We we do the work, we tell them what they want, and then if we're right, they buy it, and if we're not, they don't buy it. And presumably because a lot of people buy it, Apple's really good at knowing what the consumers want. And then the whole mm-hmm. idea that if he went to if he went to a group of people and ran a focus group in, in two thousand and seven and said, What do you want in a smartphone? they would have said a bigger blackberry mm-hmm. track wheel and then oh for sure right so but but a lot of people say that that's kind of bullshit like apple did have focus groups and they of course do market research and they it's it's maybe he thought they didn't or he likes to pretend they didn't but and i don't know i mean i don't i have no idea what how they actually operated i i, but, I don't know like i i i i'm sure there's a lot of research that goes into it but then there's that leap of Basically, like if they, if Steve Jobs went around and asked people like this idea of apps and do you want these kind of apps on your phone? I, I think people, he, he couldn't get anything actionable because I think it's never, they, they don't know what it is. And because they don't know what it is, it's like everyone's going to see it in a different way. And if everyone sees it in a different way and everyone has their own kind of interpretation of what these app kind of things are, then basically like how, how, do, you, how do you know if this is like a win or not win if everyone's interpreting it differently? So cool. I, I think I, so I, I kind of agree with him in, in that like when you're making these big leaps of something brand new that people haven't seen, it, it's hard to get real like proper like um, like asking the customer do they want this or not like yeah. they're gonna think they, they don't people don't want things until they they realize they um, what it's like not to have it in many ways. Well, and and because th- this led me thinking of another topic we've talked about where. Uh, so and it, it comes kind of full circle with side projects, where um, so remember I told you about the friend of mine uh, Lee who um, bought this really boring tech company and wanted me to join him. He was like mm-hmm. an investment banker, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the not like a red flag, but just another reason why I always am I'm just wary or suspicious of that, that those kind of businesses is. I think that you really have to be passionate about the business you're in so that when it does come time to reinvent yourself or make one of these revolutions or or 
think about, like you said, Jason kind of goes off and thinks about what's next. I think that's a fantastic job for the CEO. I mean, Steve Jobs didn't design the iPhone, but he certainly was one of the people coming up with the idea of, hey, what if I could put a thousand songs in my pocket? And mm-hmm. that's a really hard thing to to kind of think about. It's so easy in hindsight, but that's a that's the genius of Steve Jobs. It's just even saying, hey, is, like, let's think about this question. Could mm-hmm. we put a thousand songs in our pocket? And yeah. then, and if no one is thinking about that stuff, then you become maybe like kind of a, a mid ninety or a, a mid two thousands Microsoft, where no one really knows what's next for them. It just sort of seems like the same shit every every five years. Everyone's um, playing iterations of uh, Snake on their phone. Right, exactly. Whereas, <laughs> like, and even at Microsoft now, like now that they have that new CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our brethren, uh, Ron's student, Bill, uh, Bill Buxton, a lot of his research is coming out now. And maybe they had that same thing where it's like, no, we're going to make bigger bets and we're going to take a stance on what the office should be. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, this is what the future meeting room should look like and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, mm-hmm. but the, the point being that if, you're, if you don't have that soul in the game, like if you're not really into this stuff, you're probably not able to come up with these ideas. Like... If your heart mm-hmm. is not in document management, how the hell are you going to figure out what's like, maybe you will figure out what's next because you're smart and you go to conferences and you talk to customers and you get this intuitive sense of what's next. Okay. Where mm-hmm. people are going to start taking pictures of documents with their phones instead of scanning them, whatever. Sure. But don't you think there's like another company out there where the CEO is really friggin' jazzed about document management and he's the Steve or she's the Steve jobs of document management and they're going to be the ones to come up with these really interesting ideas um, where you might, as a crutch, decide to focus group a bunch of ideas if you didn't have that kind of passion. Does that make sense? Like, mm. do you do you, um, do you you need to be building something where you really are, you could be the quote, like the, the Steve Jobs of X. So, if your side project is, um, okay, I'll pick on Bax. And I don't know if Bax is, is still listening. He was one of our five listeners at one point. So Bax's startup was this startup timelines where he would take pictures of old websites and, and kind of create this timeline of what websites look like over time. Mm-hmm. Really, really cool. But I remember I kind of challenged him once and I was like, what, like, why are you building this though? So do you really care about this stuff? Like, do you care about internet history? Do you care about... Um, and the answer I kind of got from him was like, no, it's just kind of cool and I can and maybe there's a market here. And mm. I think with the lens we were just looking at, I would be very skeptical of those ideas, pursuing those kind of ideas, because if you're not super jazzed about it from that kind of deep level, are you going to be able to come up with things that a focus group wouldn't be able to come up with? Do you know what I'm saying? Or yeah, yeah, um, and, and and it's hard. Like I think when you, if you're kind of def- defining something early on in the early stages, you obviously it doesn't even make sense to kind of focus group that. But I think you probably still do a bit of a business case for it, and that will kind of define like, is this worth pursuing? And we kind of do this in, in terms of just general features and stuff that we want to add to say like um, world, like our subscription service. Um, we'll do a quick like business case. Like, is this worth pursuing? Like, um, 
what's the business opportunity here if we do this? Is it going to kind of convert people? Is it going to kind of move the needle on anything? Um, or is it going to be a very small opportunity and we're going to have to waste a lot of resources building it? Um, you kind of do that bit. I imagine for Bax, for his thing, like he, um, maybe maybe it's just a passion project for him right now, but if he was to make it a real thing, he'd probably do a small business case and see like, okay, there's actually maybe a million people who might want this right now. Um, yeah, but I think what I'm getting at is more of the the vision, like you do you, when you're starting something, mm-hmm. do you do you think about the vision of where that thing could ultimately be going? Like, do you like how far mm. ahead are you thinking about these these side projects or like and anything you're doing, like like the book or mm-hmm. is it is it just the book or is it the book and a community and a book tour and a conference and a, and I yeah. guess because yeah. what it, what I mean by it is. I think where product and marketing become tricky is or where I think marketing gets a bad name and having been on the marketing side, I get a lot of slanderous looks from product people and I I kind of love it because because of our history, because I've built some stuff on my own, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm 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 no I'm not an amazing product manager, but I can hold my own in a room of, of product people. Like I, mm-hmm. I know, I kind of know what I'm talking about enough to get away with, you know, shooting the shit or whatever, mm-hmm. but I, I never let that on. I just always want to see how, how are they going to treat me as a marketing? <laughs> if they mm-hmm. think I'm a marketing guy yeah, and yeah, yeah. you always feel like a second class citizen and I don't blame them because I think that if you're doing it right, you, somebody needs to be holding the vision of where we like where we want to go mm-hmm. and it should be the ceo so it's awesome that like jason is is doing that i to me that sounds like the right thing that he should be doing um and product is kind of owner of that where they whereas marketing can get away with things that maybe are sh- maybe shorter term a little on the gimmicky side um mm-hmm. but I rarely, and then the counterpoint though, which is kind of funny, is Apple. So if you look at how Apple is structured, their marketing team holds almost all of the cards. So hmm. marketing sets, uh, release dates, price. Um, they set the um, the industrial design. They set the like they get the they get the veto in a lot of these decisions, and I just. Really? No, really? From, from, yeah, no. just from, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just from listening to a lot of Apple. Sorry, I think I said design in there. The 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 industrial design team says, mm-hmm. okay, this is the product. Yeah. Um, but marketing does not just market the product. Like the they are so ingrained in that process that it would never get to them to market if they didn't know it was going to be a success. Does that make sense? Whereas a lot of companies, it's like, all right, here's our thing, go market it. Whereas they are integrated yeah. directly in that process. Yeah. They are yeah. in those design meetings. They are looking yeah. at the built form prototypes. Yeah. They are they are touching the keyboards. They're touching the trackpads. They are like they are so ingrained in that process and it shows because everything just looks so integrated when the campaign finally gets revealed. So 
And, and um, honestly, it, it depends on, I think, what you're building too, right? And I think the reason why uh, Apple's kind of like that is because the for them, the Apple brand is worth more than almost everything else. So that that kind of brand marketing that they're doing is very important. I imagine like a company like Nike is also, it's, it's very much the same kind of way. Um, because the brand is bigger than the individual products that they kind of launch. Mm, that's so, interesting, yeah. You know, like, and, and we had this thing at Sego because um, when we used to just do very kind of standalone one-off apps, and we still do, um, but we, but in that, in, in that kind of perspective, it's like we make an app and we do a handoff to marketing, and marketing kind of pushes it out. They have some feedback a little bit, but it's more of a, a line of like we make stuff and then we market it in, in some ways. But now, if you look at kind of world, it's it's a little different because there is a lot more customer touch points and it's a service. And when you're talking about kind of like like SaaS products, for example, it, it's like that that feedback loop is a lot tighter, and it's like that marketing is kind of built worked right into the product a lot more, or it needs to be worked into the product a lot more. But um, and and I think, do you think that's a newer thing? So I'm starting to see this trend where. Good companies, Sago being a great company, mm-hmm. are putting more marketing. They're almost, whether they know it or not, following this Nike Apple model, and they are almost embedding marketing into more decisions where it's not just becoming this, uh, oh, okay, we built this thing, now go and sell it or go and, mm-hmm. you know, and when you come across companies that operate that way, it's they're not really marketed; they're more sold. So it's a they're not passing it off to a marketing team; they're passing mm-hmm. it off to a sales team, and that's a very different beast. Where you're giving mm-hmm. it to a team of of professional salespeople and saying, "Okay, go sell this thing," versus go market this thing, which is very different, right? One is mm-hmm. about um, feelings and 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 getting you to want something to drive an action versus just hammering you until you do the thing that we want you to to do, right? So mm-hmm. do you think that do you do you see a world where marketing is more embedded? It's not its own function. It's a you have mm-hmm. mar- like a marketing person. Uh, so and then this is kind of where product marketing comes in, which to me is one of the most confused terms in in our world where I I don't know. Every company seems to do product marketing a little differently. Whereas to me, it's 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 pretty clear, um, or at least my like my, my definition of it I, I think is pretty clear. But like, do you, do you see that kind of a world shaping up, or do you think that there's enough of a enough companies where mm-hmm. you could have a pretty clear cut product and marketing? That that's that's a good question, man. It's hard. I I don't. I wonder. Like. Um... I, I think I definitely think the the time of like here's a clear break and here's like um, product stuff is done here's marketing takeover I don't know if that's really the the I don't know if that's really just the case anymore I kind of almost think that um, you know and, and I'll, I'll go back to Sago again but like when you know Jason's working on some a concept or something like it's really his job to really define the box that we're working in. And, you know, he, he doesn't come up with every single app that we make. He definitely doesn't. But he might be like, there might be a little bit of a nugget here. Let's explore that. And then, you know, 
Davin, he he's he's designed a bunch of our app and conceived a bunch of our apps. Um, a bunch of people on our our team have have kind of done that. But you know, Jason defines a bit of that box, and even Sago itself as the brand of what it is and kind of what we do, what we represent, and the kind of play that we 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 um, customers kind of expect from us. That's that that lens that has been that's like a box that you know Jason obviously helped define but also our company as a whole has helped define over the years after we made or, a few apps or like almost it's almost like policing it right where you're you're making sure that you're there are checks and balances to make sure that mm-hmm. you're staying true to that culture and not veering off with each app you make into something a little different like there's like for, a whip for, for sure. that's bringing you back to okay yeah yeah and and it's even like um and this is i think where the marketing stuff comes in in a way because like they kind of almost help define a bit of that lens and that box because you know if you look at our customers they they need to really understand our customers and the product team obviously the product teams they need to understand the customers but you know we a lot of our big kind of target demo really is like millennial parents and if you look at the millennial parent, they're very different than say like our parents' generation or something. You know, they like really nicely designed things. Maybe their their real estate is a little bit smaller. Like a lot of people have like living in condos and not everything else. And um, you're designed for those kind of spaces, those that kind of lifestyle. Um, what kind of they're into, what kind of values that they have, um, and that also needs to resonate in all of our products in some ways. Right. So it, it, it applies more so kind of in the toy way, in the toy side of things in some in some ways. Um, but I know even when we first started, we, we first came out and we were um, we were one of the first kind of app companies to take a stance on like play and say like, oh, it's, it's OK for your kid to just play on the iPad. And it's OK for them to have fun on the iPad. It doesn't just have to be like an ABC thing. Like it, it's like it, it that's OK. Don't worry about that. Um, but in order for that to be kind of okay, I know, uh, us and like our sister company, like Tokoboka, they did a really good job and they went, they did a huge marketing push on that side of things to say like, let's fight for play. Let's fight for space on, in our kids' lives to allow them to play on the iPad and that's, it's okay. And play is actually really good for a kid and they're going to learn a lot through play and through experimentation and all this other stuff. But in order to even create that space for our, our apps, a bit of that marketing work had to kind of go, had to be there in some ways. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Like you were, they were, they were laying the groundwork and then you guys were kind of coming in. But I think that where, where I get stuck on a lot of these, cause I, I do think a lot of it is just we different labels for the same just you know some companies call mm-hmm. it product some people some companies call it pr mm-hmm. some call it communications some call it marketing and and that's why i think you get those looks from people when you say you're in marketing because that could mean so many things it could mean that mm-hmm. you run ads it could mean you you do pr it could mean that you um are a product marketer or a performance marketer like all these kind of things right mm-hmm. and i think that if I was building a team, I would be more on the lines of this kind of embedded embedded marketing where you you would have people who 
think like a customer, who understand the customer, understand the mm -hmm. market, who can envision what an ad campaign would look like in a meeting in real time while you're discussing features to say, wow, that's going to be really hard to sell for this reason. Mm -hmm. um, or I don't know if our intuition is right on this. I mean, like I'm, I'm picturing what this commercial in my head would look like and it just doesn't translate really well. Like we're going to have to really come up with a way to, 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 yeah, you know, well, cause I think a lot in commercials when I'm, <laughs> and it's funny cause I don't really make commercials at all. I've only made maybe two or three in my whole career, but I, when I'm, when I'm thinking about an idea, I, I can fast forward in my head to how this would look in a commercial if I had that kind of <laughs> budget. Yeah. And yeah. that really helps me decide if it's a good idea, because if I can crystallize it into a 30 second spot, mm -hmm. I know that I can put my weight behind it and, and get people excited about it. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I'm like, oh, this is like a five minute explainer video, that's probably a bad, like, you know, you've, you're, you're, you've scope creeped or something too much. It's, it's not a good enough. You haven't, you haven't figured out how to package this thing the right way. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I guess the, I kind of see marketing going more to what you were almost saying is on the PR and the communications side. Mm -hmm. And then like, okay, here's how I think it'll play out in the next five years. So this is, my this is what I would do is you'd have product and then of course my favorite kind of growth in the middle and mm -hmm. then you'd have more comms PR and the one of them would be um, like you said just that really like again at Hubba we have a really hard story to tell where you hear Amazon is winning retail is dead you hear this all the time. Mm -hmm. that's actually not true. The data tells a different story, but it's, it's a complicated story and it's so much easier for a news agency to just run retail is dead. Amazon is here because Sears is closing. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a whole bunch of data now. So there's a, there, you could, you could argue that m what I should be doing as a director of acquisition marketing at, till at, um, Ooh, slip a tongue there at, uh, at Hubble <laughs> <laughs> is, um, just trying to sell that case that retail is not dead. I mean, we, I could probably convince my company and Ben and my boss to say like, we need to start educating the market mm -hmm. that there is in fact a resurgence of independent retail and craft mm -hmm. brands. And if we can get it, if we can control that story, if we can be like you guys were with the play messaging, mm -hmm. it's, we're not going to see results for a year, but we can start to really lay this track and then as long as we can deliver with the product, we're going to, we're going to own this market in the next three to five years. Mm -hmm. um, that is where I think marketing really is uniquely, it's very hard for someone who's day to day in a product to be thinking like that. So, so, um, ca 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 so counterpoint to that is like, you could also just make your product in a way that it almost like speaks for itself. Okay. And yeah. Then, so the, the, I, I, the I wanted marketing. to talk about this. Like, could yeah. you, could you get away without a marketing team? Cause I think you could. So it, it, so if you made your product kind of speak for itself and then the marketing or the marketing role is really just to like, let's get this in the hands of as many people as possible, which I think is a, a really hard job as well. Right. So, so, then, so then that kind yeah. of plays into like the growth side of things where it's like you mm -hmm. have, you have this amazing product with early product market fit 
Mm-hmm. And then you bring in a team to say, okay, now go maybe using more performance marketing or using more, yeah, really performance marketing. Here's some money. Mm. Like it's almost like it becomes one of these like maximization functions, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Money in, users out. And yeah. you have to figure out the details in that middle box. And that's really mm-hmm. what performance or growth marketing is in, in my books. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't you think that you're always going to want, or if you could afford it, there could always be room for... So I've been completely convinced of the value of PR because mm-hmm. of uh, working at Tilt and working at Hubba. We had mm-hmm. amazing PR uh, people at both companies. Mm-hmm. And... I used to always kind of poo-poo PR and I thought it was mm-hmm. such a waste of money and a waste of time. And really what you guys did at Sego and Tokoboko was a PR campaign, not a marketing campaign. Sure. You're, you're trying to change high level opinions about tablets and mm-hmm. that's a communication issue, not necessarily a marketing issue. You're not trying to sell, you're trying to sell an idea, not a product. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if I were again starting a company PR would actually be one of the first things I would invest in, which is so weird for me to say out loud because mm. I I never would have said that five years ago. But having seen these great examples of it, if I could afford, I, I, it's not even like if I could afford it. I think I would, I would, and sorry, depends on the company, which I think what you're saying. Um, but you can't downplay the role of that kind of marketing, which is. Like and I think Elon yeah. Musk is the best example of this. So he is the prototype of, you know, he is so good at controlling the narrative. Well, maybe not mm-hmm. the past few weeks, but mm-hmm. you know, I mean, come on, like it's it's it could be ninety percent PR. We have no idea, and that's the thing, you know. So I don't know. What do you, what do you think about? What but then, but are, 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 but are these just kind of like labels? Like is if you're talking about we need you need performance marketing you kind of like a growth person you need a pr people when this just fall like traditionally like right now this kind of falls under like a marketing umbrella yeah yeah but that that's exactly what i'm saying so i think that yeah um no but i think where to me the distinction though is that the the performance marketer the growth mm-hmm. marketer is more aligned with product than with marketing yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess so. Uh, yes. Yeah. Sure. Because like I, I think as the the, uh, it's hard. I guess because in some ways, the the marketing like someone still needs to identify uncover these kind of different like verticals that you should be kind of hitting in some ways. Like I guess as a growth person, you know, you're there's certain only certain so many like kind of acquisition channels. And the like, obvious things you can hit up, like your Facebook ads, your Google ads, your YouTube ads, or whatever. Um, you could, um, you know, do some SEO work, obviously, to kind of get your thing ranking higher on Google. But then, there, like, is it the growth person then to also identify other acquisition channels? Yeah, Probably, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Well, and yeah. I think when it comes to that stuff, there's only there, there really is like there's not that many different channels really. So mm-hmm. it's more like being able to identify which ones to prioritize, which ones to look at first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, you can almost just on your hands 
go through all the different channels. Then it just becomes about how do you, you know, execute on that strategy, right? Um, so okay, so let, let, let me okay, so let, let me play this out then. So if the growth person is kind of embedded directly in the product, right, and they're focused on, let's just say you're doing a lot of Facebook, Google Ads, um, SEO work. Right. So if you're embedded with the product team, though, you obviously feed some of this info back. Like, okay, yeah, I got like, um, we we increased our conversion on Facebook. We are getting more users, more subs. Um, but in some ways there's like a clear line, like, are you, your, your work is obviously being influenced by the product, but in some ways you're, you can function without product influence. You can, what what do you mean by that? So if I gave you, if I, if I built widgets for you and then I said like, Hey Ken, I need you to sell these widgets. Um, you could set up like an e-commerce store, you could, uh, growth hack it or whatever, get like a ton of traffic to that site. But does that actually change the design of the widgets? No. So if it doesn't change the design of the widgets, um, or if the widgets, the widgets might influence a bit of your stuff, but really if you're, if, if that, that work is not influencing the design of the widgets, then does it need to be part of the product team? Well, but but I guess what I'm advocating is that the I think in, in a newer world, mm-hmm. the the marketing team will be affecting the design of the widgets. Okay, so so how how do you, how do you see that playing out? So let's just say you, um, so are you saying that the role of the growth person or growth team, or there's like a separate function that would influence the role of the product? Well, and yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not sure, and it, and it could even be. It's funny as we're talking about this, maybe the answer is actually really really simple, and it's mm-hmm. already been solved. It's like you have a CPO and you have a CMO and you clearly have a product division and you clearly have a marketing division Mm -hmm. and all you need is very good communication between both of those channels so that the product team can take any salient information and make changes to product and then marketing can um, see what product is doing and use that when when Mm -hmm. marketing. But I I think the, the, the tension I'm finding and... And I'm seeing the real difference in something like Able Cells, where Able Cells is is a lot like I would almost argue more a lot more businesses out there where mm-hmm. it's it's just a it's a it's retail it's you know I I sell products and mm-hmm. um, so it's really all marketing in a way yeah. it's, it's all um, marketing yeah it's and I think that's where the 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 dream of the Shopify sort of the rubber meets the road. And I think why so many people fail at making a Shopify store is because it has nothing to do with the Shopify store and everything to do with the marketing. Mm-hmm. And the Shopify store just becomes a really, it reduces all friction to make the marketing engine kind of work. You know, going back to... Mm-hmm. When you and I were, when I when I told you I was going to build my own e-commerce store instead of when I was going to start Able Cells, and you were like, "No, just move the product." You like, if I had have built my own e-commerce store, mm-hmm. that wouldn't like I still you still need to just go friggin' get people into your store, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's the whole game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's what I think 
when I look at how a lot of companies structure marketing organizations, it's they're looking at it in that lens where mm -hmm. you're like, oh, well, I just have to get more people to use this thing. Um, mm -hmm. Or I just have to get more people to to um, to to try this product, and and that's sort of the transactional view of marketing. And I think it's a lot more nuanced. I think that this, and I don't even know if it is growth, if that's the right word. Maybe product marketing is the better word for it. But something where um, you know you can you can have a team, or you can have people in that room. Okay, hang on. this question I think could could um, could uh, could solidify it. When you're thinking of of a new game or new features, like when does marketing come into that conversation? So as of right now, they maybe don't. If we're building like a brand new app or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, like if you're, this is like a new thing. So like, marketing might, they, they might, they might be, they might sometimes identify an opportunity like, Hey, we surveyed a bunch of people and this seems like an interesting theme that we should maybe look at. So maybe they, they would kind of like, uh, have some say there. Um, but also right now, I guess closer to the end of things. So when we were a little bit further along, we're talking about like, okay, how's this thing going to look? What are we going to kind of position this? How are we going to message this? Who are we going to talk to? Um, you know, are we going to talk to any influencers or I don't know, whatever, like, how are we going to get this out there? And it's a lot of that, or it's all, also a lot of like, um, let's get some, uh, like the app store stuff ready. And because that really is our biggest acquisition channel, like just yeah, the like, app store like who, period, like right? Who, who writes the copy for the app store? Uh, we have this. Uh, we have uh, Michelle who um, handles all our copy, and, so, and, that'd, and that'd be like a marketing function. Yeah, it's marketing function. Gotcha. Hmm. Um, but I, I think I think what you're kind of I think that middle ground, like when you talked about like the CPO CMO, I think really the in between between product and marketing is really the product manager, in my opinion, because I think a good product manager needs to be aware of a, you know. What's your funnel look like? Where are the people coming? How are we going to improve that funnel? How are we going to get more people into that uh, top of the funnel? How are you going to convert these people? Really, in, in some ways, if you look at it as like a, let's say a SaaS product, right? Um, so they they don't necessarily need to be doing the actual growth marketing, but they need to be kind of aware of the numbers too. And okay, I think so they kind of sit in the middle, yeah. Okay, what about the role of a product marketing manager? Do you guys have that role? Product marketing manager? No, we don't. Okay. Well, what, what, what is a product marketing manager? So I think you actually, you, you made my point almost better than, than I did. So if, and we should have maybe for homework read this like story about a Google process they had, which is sort of where I'm drawing a lot of inspiration from um, and making a lot of assumptions. But the way I understand Google still operates and has operated for a long time is that the PM, and I think we've talked about this a few times here, definitely offline, is like a CEO of mm -hmm. the product. Yeah. So they can hire, they get budget, they uh, control marketing, they, they are a, and they typically report either directly to the CEO or somebody very senior, senior, like, Okay, I guess they'd report to the CPO, but I mean, like, um, but they are 
so Google, when they say product manager, marketing is in there too. Mm-hmm. So, and that, and there is one person responsible for the success or failure of something, everything mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. numbers, conversions, funnels, shipping, yeah. code quality, yeah. QA bugs. That to me is the, is feels like the right answer, but I don't think many companies that I've come across are actually structured like that. I think that you typically have a product manager mm-hmm. who's responsible for shipping um, and making sure that what they're building is the right thing to be building. So instead yep. of, you know, um, you know, validation versus verification. So mm-hmm. verification is on the developers, validation is on the product manager, and then marketing, and then it gets kind of passed off. It's like, hey, everyone, we're ready. Okay, go marketing, go do your thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and I think you get into a lot of, you you can get into a lot of issues there where a marketing person might come in way too late and look mm-hmm. at that and say, why the fuck didn't you guys do it this way? That would have been so much easier for us to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, or like, 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 you know, and, and so maybe it's just a communications piece. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a, it's an accountability thing, but I, and, yeah, I, I, I wonder if the difference is really the type of products you're talking about, because like a Google product is essentially, it's a service. All their things are services and they kind of live on forever. And that, that loop is super tight in terms of like talking to the customer um, getting this and getting that customer input in terms of if it's analytical or if it is just surveying them or whatever. Like they're trying to constantly touch base with the customer. So in that regard, it's a little that that line of like product and marketing is a little bit more blurry. There's probably still a bigger marketing team that's pushing Google and saying Google's like, you know, it's not Big Brother. They're they're really good people. Like there's that marketing PR kind of side side of things that's a little bit bigger than the product itself. But I think in the day-to-day operations of that product, though, it, it, that line of marketing is a lot blurrier. Traditional marketing is a little blurrier. Right. And, and I think that's... Versus like if you were building like widgets and selling widgets, right? You know, 100%. 100% but I... Okay. But let's go back to the widget example because I think that... Mm-hmm. I think it's still applicable. So to me, what you described is, is what I think the, the right answer would be. But then if I were to redesign, if I was to rebuild the roles of marketing going forward, it would be more like PR, messaging, and brand mm-hmm. would be the, like, what you know, the, the whole kind of, uh, and, and there's like the six P's or what, like whatever formal kind of thing, like mm-hmm. price placement. Uh, oh, I can't remember the other ones. Um, but Whereas the the acquisition and the 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 getting customers, getting users, getting buyers, I think that the that starts to bleed more into a product area. Mm-hmm. So going back to widgets, so let's take ketones as an example. Mm-hmm. So Able Cells, uh, I'm probably gonna I'm gonna hopefully make my own ketone product in in mm-hmm. this calendar year. So the, the product kind of the product and the growth side kind of says like, okay, like, so what, what should my, what should my kind of 
um, you know, like what, what, like what should it taste like? What, what flavors should I have? What, you know, all, all, all these kind of things. How am I going to get it made? How am I going to get it shipped? How am I going to get mm. it? Uh, what, all, all the costs and all that kind of stuff. So you can kind of see that as being the, and again, maybe it doesn't really fit with this widget example, but let's just kind of go with it. I could see the, like that to me is this contained, it's, it's again, it's, a, it's this new product. It's a contained unit where if I was hiring a team for this and not just trying to do it myself, I would hire one person and say, you're in charge of ketone product X. Mm-hmm. Everything about it. You should like, if, if, uh, if mm. you've got five flavors to pick, mm-hmm. then you shouldn't be relying on anybody else to tell you that. Like you need to form a team that's going to help you make that decision. Um, if you like, mm. I don't know, whereas then I would say on the marketing side though, like where, where I would then invest in a marketing team or a PR team would be like, how come more people aren't talking about able cells? Maybe yeah. how come more people yeah. aren't talking about ketones in general? So going back to mm-hmm. the widgets, it's like mm-hmm. maybe you're designing a widget. Well, maybe people don't know that this class of widgets even exist. Maybe they don't know that their life would be easier if they happen to have a class of these widgets, which then gets people looking for this kind of a widget. And hopefully mm-hmm. the one you make is the so it. So in, in this in this example, though, the person you hire they're essentially like a product manager who's in charge of like this line of um, ketones that you're going to sell, right? Yes, sure. So, yeah. so as, as this person though, are they figuring out like, are they doing the growth marketing side of things or the, the growth side of things? Yeah, everything. Everything. So, okay. Th- like, so, and that's why like if I were to, if I were to redraw the lines of, of where like, like a reporting line or a, I would almost say that, it's it's almost like front end developers and back end developers and platform developers and iOS developers. Mm-hmm. You could you could have like an iOS team and then a back end team or a front end team and a and a you know whereas and you have a lot more context on this than I do lately, but I still think a very common pattern of doing this is you have um you have uh, product teams, mm-hmm. so you have a front-end person, a back-end person, and a mobile person on the same team mm-hmm. with an embedded designer um, instead of having a design function, a, a, a front-end function, and then you just pass tickets back and forth to each other. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so yeah. what I'm arguing is that marketing is just going to become a piece of that team. So mm-hmm. the the performance piece... Well, you're not really saying that. You're saying the performance piece is going to be part of the... Yes, team. sorry. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Like the idea of acquiring and retaining users mm-hmm. will yeah. become a piece of that team. Yeah. And then what will be left of real mark, like the only thing left for marketing will be more of this, like, I, I would call it more of the like communications, PR, um, like uh, social media, branding, messaging. That's where you would start putting a CMO to run all of those kinds of things. But that the idea of having someone running ads and doing all that, to me, that would all be embedded in product teams. Yeah. And I, I, I guess, so I, I agree with you and I, I agree in, because 
<clears throat> so okay, I, I okay. There's some complications, I guess. But let's just say you had um, fifty of these different ketone lines. You have fifty different product managers. Are you going to have essentially fifty growth people on each of those kind of products? Um, Maybe. That's a good question. I, yeah, I think the answer could be, uh, let's go, let's take the developer example. Um, would mm. you have, okay, so I'll, I'll ask you guys, like if you, see, it's tough because you guys are, are so platform. Um, okay, but but go back to your days at EA or put yourself okay. in that in that position where sure. you come to Hubba and, you know, you you have to restructure product or engineering teams. Mm-hmm. Um, would you have a dedicated front-end, back-end mobile, or would you be embedding people in with sort of like surrogate team leads who are making sure that everybody's kind of, like all the mobile people are kind of marching in the same direction um, versus having a dedicated mobile team with, you know, with their own backlog servicing 50 different fifty different products? No, I, I think I... Hmm. Hub is a hard example because I don't really under, I don't know, even like your mobile team, I guess you guys, it's similar. It's just essentially like the, the mobile version of your web offering really, right? There's nothing, it's not a, or, or I don't know, is there specific functions that are very different? Like well, I, do, I don't know don't enough even, about yeah, Hubba, do, guess, do, but, Don't even, don't even use Hubba, like use a different, um, you know, like let's say you, um, trying to think of like a, an, an interesting app here. Um that would have a lot of the okay. So to take take Gmail as an example, right? Okay. So they have a mobile app, they have a desktop app, they have, hmm. um, you know, a, a whole host of technical back end, hmm. front end, hmm. mobile challenges. Um, yeah. So if I was structured Gmail, I guess I'd have one person who owns Gmail. Period. Right. Exactly. And then yep. there would be there would be a web team, there would be a mobile team, because I don't think the there would be a dedicated mobile team, dedicated web team. And I, I would separate them because I don't think there's going to, there's a ton of uh, kind of back and forth. Um, but I think it's on the the person who's in charge of Gmail to make sure that the features are, are synced up across the two teams. But generally on a day-to-day basis, the mobile team and the web team aren't probably talking that much. Um, okay, and but, I assume, but, sorry, but, yeah, but, but yeah. let's say that you throw Google Maps into this now. Okay. So there's also a maps team who has a very similar structure. Mm-hmm. Do your front end people are they also can they also do map stuff or no? You have a dedicated no, it's, Gmail it's, it'd front be a, end. Okay. It, it would be yeah. a different team doing maps. Okay. But but I, I think there would be one person owning Gmail, one person owning the general visual look of Gmail as well. And they and maybe another kind of central person, but like these people would kind of make sure that uh, all the different platform experiences still feel very cohesive. So there, there's going to be like essentially like a centralized glue team, which sits a little bit above everybody else. And there is basically a specific mobile team, web team. A Gmail would be would have a very similar structure. They would have, I, I think in my mind, they would have been someone, there would be uh, a central product owner of maps. There's a central designer of maps. There is maybe like a central like kind of tech person for for maps, and they are making sure like everything is kind of synced up between the different mobile team, web team, uh, the VR team, whatever um, that are happening. But each in each of those teams, I think you would have like obviously your, for your web, you have your, your front end 
uh, back end, you have a designer, you know, and you'd have those people who are kind of interacting on a day to day basis to build out like an amazing product. Right. And you have those other people who are kind of making sure things are glued and and uh, and staying true to the brand, staying true to the visual aesthetic, all, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Does that then, does that? Yeah, no, no, I think yeah. I think that makes sense. And then it, when it comes to getting users for that machine, though, so if you were mm-hmm. if you now if it wasn't Gmail, if it was some new maps product and you had to go mm-hmm. get users for it, mm-hmm. um, I guess what I'm arguing is that you would put like you would you would have a a more traditional marketing front, which would say, here's the, um, he, like, here's the, the, the overall branding of, of this family of products or this product. Mm-hmm. And then you would embed, um, like, I don't think you would want to have a centralized team doing That's handling growth. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, Okay. So I'm, I'm on the fence about it because on some, in some ways, um, it's kind of good if let's just say it was the kind of maps or sorry, the Gmail example, and we are on like five different platforms. The acquisition channels are, are different. That This is true. Right. But it also, there, there is kind of some learnings. I think like if you're going to, if you're building like 50 ketone products, the acquisition channels for you guys are, or for you would probably be very similar. So you have, you build up a lot of this expertise in maybe one or two, like a, a handful of people that they can kind of command a lot of this uh, and they, they won't make a lot of just the mistakes that they've learned from already. Do you know what I mean? Versus like 50 people kind of all pursuing kind of acquisition in different ways is also kind of shitty because I think if you have 50 different people who are representing able cells who are running their own kind of ads and doing it in a very different way each, I think it also sullies your brand a little bit too. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like if, yep. yeah. And so you might run into some problems there, which is where I think it might be nice to have in that way, like a centralized, and this is maybe an argument for having growth be part of marketing um, because you can then centralize that messaging. But a lot of growth stuff is not all about messaging. It's not all about running ads and all that stuff, right? So it, it's different. Like in my mind, it's like growth should sit with the team that they're going to interact with the most. And in some ways, it makes sense for growth to be with the product team, because I think in general, when you think of a marketing team as like kind of PR people or um, I don't know, like uh, copywriters, whatever, it's like they're a very different elk of people than, uh, say, more analytics, more numbers driven people, which I think you'll find more of those on the product side of things. So Mm, I think mm -hmm. that feedback loop would be tighter there in in that way. But if your kind of growth is more around kind of messaging and you're writing a lot of like blogs or to, to kind of up your SEO backlinking or if you are uh, writing, running a lot of ads, for example, that might make sense to be more of a marketing function because you might interact with them more on a daily basis. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, and I, it's, yeah, no, it's an interesting and you're right. Like when you when you put it that way. I think that it could be that I'm biased in my mind because I'm looking at a, I'm looking and it, it's it's funny it's really not even it's not even kind of hubba related I'm just sort of thinking of in my past where mm-hmm. there's been there always seems to be this communication gap between uh, product and marketing and mm-hmm. I think that going back to this idea of like a product marketing manager 
I think that it, and maybe I'm just super biased in saying this, but if anything, this product manager should be more of a marketing, like, or should have a very strong opinion of marketing. Mm -hmm. The way that Jason has a very strong opinion of, of what products should be built at Sago or mm. I, I think really what I'm advocating for is this idea of like the the person owning it as this mini CEO of of mm. that whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they shouldn't. But yeah. I guess in my mind that's like a product manager, right? But I mean, tr- traditional product managers are kind of mini CEOs of their individual products or features or whatever. And and I guess maybe this is where I and it could just be that we're talking different definitions though. Mm-hmm. Typically does the who is responsible though if the product like if the product fails to find an audience typically marketing gets blamed for that Mm. yeah but it depends right like maybe the product was just shitty and they were just given a shitty product right it's so they're, they're, they're just tied but that's where i think if i was leaning on if i was putting somebody like to me you understand a lot about marketing like you are a um, whereas I, I think there are some kinds of, of product managers that are more a, uh, like going back to the idea of being very data driven and like, mm-hmm. like, what are these, like, what are the features that people are using? Um, how do we iterate on this or how do we like, it, it's, they're not looking at like, do, do they really have a strong opinion about what the future of this thing is going to be? And are they, mm-hmm. um, because you're just optimizing. Yeah, because I think if you're not, then you're you're missing out on a lot of opportunities, which I think marketing can bring to you because typically marketers seem to they're just more on the front lines of interfacing with customers because that's their whole that's the whole mission is to get people mm-hmm. to buy things, talk to customers, all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Sales is no different. So and yeah, and maybe I'm not really. Maybe the answer is I'm not really advocating anything crazy. I'm just, I'm just sort of. Um, I I think if I was building a team right now from from scratch, mm-hmm. the, the the kind of like marketing role would be more about um, the the communications, the PR, the branding, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. everything else would really flow into into product, but from the get go. So Mm -hmm. like you have someone who is thinking about ads like, like, or it would be like with Jason, like you would, you would, he would have, he'd be talking to somebody thinking about how am I actually going to sell this thing or Mm -hmm. while they're starting to come up with the idea. And I don't know, maybe, and maybe that's a terrible idea because then maybe that totally limits you on what you um, should or shouldn't be doing the same way. I've heard people advocate that, you know, designers should never talk to engineers because engineers are always thinking, well, that's going to be really hard to build. And then the designer hears that 15 (laughs) times a week and is like, well, their designs just start getting less ambitious because they know that the developer is going to tell them that's really hard to build. Um, So I don't know. Maybe I'm not really saying anything then. I I, I don't know. I just, I feel like there's a... um, I've noticed a change in. So let me ask you this: what, Like, if you look at uh, five, ten years ago, what would a marketing team look like? 
so five or ten years ago, a marketing team would be, um, let's see, five or ten years ago, um, weren't a lot of great, not a lot different than I guess a lot of them would now. So you would have, um, I'd say typically more non-technical people. Yeah. Um, who are you know graduated business school, who understand, um, you know things like positioning, copywriting, um, design, mm-hmm. branding, and they would mm-hmm. be basically trying to validate and expand a market for whatever product you're trying to sell. So whether that's ads or and then would all be dependent on budget and and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then I think now you're just in this. And maybe we're just in this transition where there are a lot of, there are more technical people on the marketing side or, or marketing just becoming so much more technical with attribution and with um, mm-hmm. integrating different systems and all that stuff. So a lot of people are leaning more on the technical side. Um, and you know what? Maybe this is all just a confirmation bias of me trying to because I'm, I'm describing myself when I'm talking about being technical and being a marketer. So maybe mm-hmm. I'm trying to just talk myself, make myself feel better that my job is going to be more important in the next five years than, and maybe maybe that's not the case. Maybe I'm just trying to make an excuse for that. No, I I, I feel like, well, growth growth is incredibly important in any, I think you're you're probably the hottest job in any startup really right right now. But, but, but okay, but then so but why though? Like so so, what what does growth mean to you then? Like for you to say that, like what like, because mm, to me that okay. that is kind of crazy. Yeah. Like that that's yeah. kind of a weird statement. But I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. But I'm curious, like why would you say that? I, I say that because the acquisition the acquisition <laughs> acquisition channels have changed. So now it's like a lot of like I mentioned in the beginning, like products are reaching directly to customers. You're you're skipping a lot of the kind of the middlemen, the kind of directed, you know, the sales teams that you would have that, that were going door to door and selling people's knives or, or makeup or whatever, right? Like now you can get directly onto someone's Facebook feed, Instagram feed. You can have them search up, uh, pop up in ads or have them uh, show up higher in search or whatever. And these are just very, you can speak directly to the customer now. And I think... I guess you're because you're cutting that out. This is more of a growth function because it's not even just getting like what the best messaging is, which maybe was more of a traditional marketing thing. But it, that, even that's kind of weird because that's kind of like a growth thing now in some ways too. Um, but it's so much more like data and analytics driven than it was before. Well, you know, and, and, well, and it's funny because and we we got into this thing at at Hubbard recently where. And I'm I'm really good friends with uh, I mean we work together we're colleagues where he is really responsible for the voice of Hubba mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like you know like if if someone says what is Hubba he wrote the answer to what people should say and there's like a very we we should all be saying the same thing when someone asks us hey like what is Hubba we should have the same answer right mm-hmm. just for mm-hmm. consistency and voice mm-hmm. and all that stuff and we we got, we we sort of inadvertently got into this argument because I was like yeah but I. I kind of, and I wasn't trying to make it a pissing match, but I was like, yeah, but I kind of control a lot of our voice though. And I could mm-hmm. tell I kind of offended him. Like he, I could, I triggered him right away. And I was like, no, no, I don't mean to disrespect there. I just mean that 
I'm on like the I'm in I'm on like the fringe. I'm I'm testing messaging. I'm trying 15 20 different things. I'm I'm experimenting. And sometimes mm-hmm. we find something really really good and we bring it back to you and say, "Hey, can you work with this? This this, this mm-hmm. seems to be working." Mm-hmm. And then now that is actually like so our current new messaging of Hubba is as a result of experimentation that we did where we said, "Hey, what if we pitch this thing as a dating app?" Um mm-hmm. And that really resonated. And maybe a year from now, we're going to think of something totally a different metaphor or no metaphor at all or whatever. Mm. Um, but, and I, but I understood why he was defensive and why he was upset because it's like, well, you can't change it every week. Like you can't start telling people that we're two different things. And then um, – and I'm like, yeah. well, but I can though. Like I, I – and I, I found myself sort of saying – we're we're still not big enough yet where that matters where yeah. maybe there does come a time where you are so big that clearly and and maybe part of what we're talking about is a sizing issue and apple cannot run five different commercials produced by five different teams that all mm-hmm. pitch apple in a different way i mean mm-hmm. that's not going to happen and like you said that's their bigger apple's brand is that's Apple, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they could create a soft drink technically, and that could become their yeah. next big thing. So they just Apple creates a drink, um, and so yeah. But but but, but no, they got a, there. But 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 they got there a certain way, though. And, yeah, I don't know if that makes any. No, 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 for sure, man. I've I've had a similar discussion before, <laughs> and it, it's it's tricky because like when you run your Facebook ads or whatever, it's in some ways it's like you need to be nimble you need to be testing these things and you need to kind of like you can run five different variants of that copy and in a week you can be like okay making positioning as a dating app actually really kills and that that works and we should maybe think about that um and in some ways like the the ads that you run are very ephemeral like they're they're there and then you're targeting a very specific cohort not a lot of people are even seeing this um so you guys aren't big enough that it would really make uh, um, a PR nightmare if you did say that and some people took it the wrong way. Um, but it allows you to be quick. It allows you to, to to test things really, really well. But if you are like an Apple and you did that and you said like, oh, maybe Apple's like a dating app. And that was one of the, the kind of or, or sorry, dating like product or service like the MacBook is all about um getting hot 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 girls and guys together or something i don't know whatever right yeah sure that would be a pr nightmare because their brand is so big and if it got picked up in even if they were testing with a really small cohort of people in a small state in the state somewhere it would that would that would become big big news for sure um so it's it's hard and this is the argument i was kind of in because on on one level it's like you you want to you need to protect that brand and that brand equity is worth a lot and you don't want to sully that brand on the other end, it's like you, you need to move quick because everybody is moving at this kind of frenetic pace. So you kind of need to kind of keep up in, in that in that space as well. And if you aren't, it's almost like if you're not testing and if you're doing it more through like older channels of like, I'm going to do a focus group around these different kind of messaging things. I'm going to bring maybe 40 people in and then I'm going to see what they say. That's maybe what people would have done traditionally. But now it's like I can run this ad. I get a thousand people, and I can find out like, like immediately, or maybe not immediately, but in an hour's time, I'm going to find out if this is a better approach or not a better approach. Um, 
so it's I, I think it, things are just moving at such a different kind of pace right now um but then i also think back to you know like the the patagonia example i was telling you before and like their ceo right now she's like i i need to look at patagonia at, at like these 40 year kind of time scales so if you're running this thing right now it's also it might sully the brand in 40 years or how people are gonna gonna perceive patagonia in 40 years and that's important and that matters so but, we shouldn't but, but, run ads like that but, but again i think what you said though and this sort of goes back to the original mm-hmm. like the way i think this ties into side projects is but she's the ceo mm-hmm. right and yeah. and that's where it's like that's the work of the ceo that's what they do need to be thinking of and be like i i would even argue that's not the job of the cmo even though um a lot of the work on that might fall onto Patagonia's CMO. Mm-hmm. It's not their place to be saying, I mean, and I, I have no idea how these companies get structured, but, um, and I keep, I try, I try to bring it back to able cells where it's like, how would I actually action on this, these feelings that I have? And, and you brought up a good point around if I had 50 different keto products, of, of course I wouldn't have 50 different growth people on each of those mm-hmm. products because you're right. It's like the same. It's just the same thing. Just replace X with Y and do the same thing over and over again, and it's probably going to work. Um, but I would say then that the the product there. I don't actually have fifty products. I have one product and fifty variants or something like that. And it's still then the one product owner or product manager, in your words, who would be that. You know, um, who who would run all fifty of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think a lot about as I'm going through my week with Able Cells, you know, I it's actually kind of bad not to go into a project update, but I think because I've been fulfilling at night a lot, I've actually been making mistakes, like pretty mm-hmm. embarrassing ones. Like someone ordered two of something and I only put in one, or they ordered mm. five and I put in six. Like just little sh- like stupid shit that I really need to just buckle down on, um, and. But the way that you handle customer service is marketing. So I just I just don't even ask. Like if so, or I have a return policy, like a 14-day return policy. You can just return anything you want. And I don't even ask for you to send it back. For all I know, you've eaten it. I don't even ask for a picture. I just totally go on the honor system. If you're not happy with it, I refund you and that's it. Done. Mm. Or, or mm-hmm. I send you a different product. And that's just money right out of my profit. Mm-hmm. Um, but like who so i'm i'm the ceo so i can make that call right now i'm the only employee at Mm -hmm. at able cells but Mm -hmm. like at at hubba who makes that call and i think that kind of in the apple world that kind of is a marketing decision so i think that i would put that more in the realm of marketing where Mm -hmm. um so i could even see a world where like customer support bubbles up to marketing and not mm-hmm. operations where like, so th- that's where I, ju- I just feel like marketing is changing for a lot yeah. of the reasons why you said we, we do have direct access to customers. Um, customers are demanding more out of marketing. You can't just like throw up ads and hope that they're going to work. Like it's not that kind of, it's, there's like a more sophisticated, th- th- there's a nuance. Whereas on the product side, that's where you can get like, so I, I can imagine even with ketones, like maybe I try some crazy citrus flavor and it flops. 
I bet you mm. I could just whip up a a savory flavor. And then like so that to me is kind of like the the growth person testing different I don't know, messages or AB testing different products or something like that. Mm-hmm. But the real job of marketing should be how do we make sure that when people think of ketones in Canada, they think of able cells, um, mm-hmm. regardless of what products we're selling. And yeah, that to me is kind of the distinction. Like marketing is becoming more about getting ahead of the problem. And then the growth marketing is just becoming another problem that the product team needs to solve. Yeah. Uh, no, that, I think that makes sense. So Mark, I think, yeah, in general, really marketing is more of a, it's more about brand, if anything else, really. And they're they're kind of trying to maintain and uh, keep the status quo of this brand or grow that the brand equity, really. And really, when you're talking about able cells, as it is right now, that's what you're doing. In, in some ways, like you're running ads, but I don't know, you were doing kind of brand brand awareness ads, really, you're just kind of converting people, really, I guess it's, but I don't know, even getting your stuff ranked higher in SEO. So when you do a Google search for ketones, you show up in, in some ways, like that could be considered a marketing thing. Right? Because you yeah. want to, you want your thing mm-hmm. to pop up when certain keywords hit. I, and it's, it's, it's tricky, but I, I guess when I think about other companies, I'm thinking about like, uh, like a Nike or something, you know, if you look at, um, like, I wonder who, what, what, like how their roles are split, because obviously there's people inside the stores who set up all the, the different layouts in each of the foot lockers and each of the kind of the Nike stores. And there, there, there's that ground level thing. There's the other thing of like, what is the the nike brand what do we represent what kind of lifestyle are we trying to project to people and that kind of messaging oozes down to everything that nike does right um but then there's people who you know there's like i don't know you have the new the next jordan uh shoes and they want to sell those and they're finding the channels they're finding the cool little influencers they're finding these kind of like co-branding opportunities that's probably a marketing thing Right. Or would it be a I, that's probably a marketing thing. I, I imagine Nike is if that's like they there's people brokering these deals and then brokering these connections and trying to they're selectively brokering these connections to kind of build brand equity. And then it goes to like, OK, here's an artist and here's our product people. Let's make something. And yep. that's maybe the line. But in some ways, like Nike, their marketing stuff is more important. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? I think you, so you said something that got me thinking of maybe another way to reformulate my, and now I'm thinking about it in more of a negative way for myself, where I'm looking at the tool sets that I use and that, you know, other growth or performance marketers have, and they they will quickly become commoditized by things like machine learning and AI. Like Mm. AdWords is getting to a point now where, I mean, you could almost, if you had enough money, have it randomly generate ads for you and then just start to learn which ones are converting and could like, you could essentially build them a whole marketing team by uh, like, if you had enough money on, on Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. So I think where I'm, maybe what I'm reacting to and the, the trend that I'm seeing is that the kind of marketing that maybe I'm doing now or that I'm, 
I have been doing for a long time, I think will be the one of the first to get commoditized. Hmm. And or the tools will become so accessible that it could be easy for a product team to assimilate or to start almost doing on their own um, the same way that DevOps now is becoming like if you run servers and stuff like that for a company, mm. there's a lot of teams now that used to have an entire team dedicated to DevOps. Now, you know, if your developers kind of know enough about uh, how certain things work, you might need like one person who's kind of the guru, who's like the steward of the the whatever, but mm. everybody else can kind of like, they can kind of figure that shit out. And then they come to you if there's a problem. That's something I'm seeing on the, on the dev side of things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I could see that happening on the marketing side where you've got like one or maybe one or two people on the performance or growth side who are who are like the 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 level two service where if you can't figure it out yourself, you kind of go up the service chain and, mm-hmm. and get someone who's been doing a little longer than you who can help you navigate the problem. But I could see a world where developers and product managers are running ads and um, are testing things and yeah. getting users like – and yeah. and I think then that leaves the marketing team for the really hard things that might never be automated, which are, um, well, one day for sure. But how do I want people to feel when they see this thing? Um, mm-hmm. Getting ahead of these trends, like trying to show people that we, we are solving a really big problem, which is more the PR kind of angle or... Mm-hmm. Um, you know the like you like the example you gave with Nike is interesting around like micro influencers and stuff, and I would say that that is maybe just a channel that is very hard to automate or can't be automated yet. So mm-hmm. and maybe that's the lens to look at it. It's like there are certain channels now. There are certain channels that are becoming okay. You know what? I think that's it. Well, I, okay. Well, I think it's a little different though too because I think the one difference though is like the product that you're or in the business that you're in because i think if you look at like you you selling stuff on like e-commerce for able sales if you had a product manager that was kind of owning a line or something they would be they would double as the growth person i i in my in my mind because exactly, your function yes. is really a marketing kind of function but i think when you're talking about like um like a bigger product or something like a like a i don't know like airbnb or something i don't know the dev team in some ways can't be worried like all the developers can't be worried about like running ads they don't have time they they're no, they're focused no, 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 on no, building sorry. great things I, right i i realize i realize when i said that that's not what i meant i don't mean the developers are going to be doing it i mean that the um i i, I see what you mean i, I see what you mean no because I, I, yeah. I, I think no matter what you're still going to have like your a lot of the things are going to be the tools are going to be commoditized sure but there still needs to be somebody who's coming up with experiments, who's tracking these experiments, who's running these things, and there's that part. So that I think that's still going to always kind of be there, and you're gonna—that's like a full-time job to have someone manage all that at a big enough company, right? Yes, but the question is like, um, hmm. Yeah, no, no, I, I hear you, but I think I think there's something. I think the, the the closest I've come to what I'm trying to get at is this kind of DevOps analogy with teams where 
there used to be this very clear set of skilled people who had to manage servers mm-hmm. and they are slowly disappearing because of AWS and GCP and, and all mm-hmm. these other tools. Mm-hmm. And the, I, I see a similar thing happening on the marketing side of things. So mm-hmm. what I think whatever future looks like for those people could happen on the marketing front as well. Well, it's essentially like that. those roles are still there. It's just there is less of them, right? Like if, if you just th- think about it this way, if you think about even just running like um, like a Facebook ad or something, it's how easy it is. Like you can have maybe one or two people. They can run a whole bunch of ads, set them up, run them. But if you look at 20 years ago or something, to run an ad, you would have to, you know, A, reach out to all these different channels. You'd have to have someone managing these relationships with these different channels, these newspapers, magazines, or whatever else. You'd have another bunch of people setting up these uh, kind of designs and the copy and all that stuff. And, you know, that has shrinked because that has been kind of commoditized in some ways, right? So it, the, the roles are still there. It's just running a little bit more kind of lean. And um, But I, I do think the role of marketing is more around brand, if anything, now. Yeah, because I mean, even on the ad, even on the uh, ad side of things. So the job I was applying for at Airbnb, for example, my mm-hmm. the whole job would have been automating all their uh, Facebook ads. So mm-hmm. anytime a new property goes up, they don't have someone sitting there making a Facebook ad. They have a robot making Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. So they productized their ads. So. They probably had someone, in, oh, I know they did in the early days running the ads. Yeah. But then once they started working, they just said, how do we automate this? And then, so what's interesting is that whole division at Airbnb, which is where they spend the most of their money, is actually an engineering function now. Mm. So my my upper manager would have been not a marketing person. Um, because, so, and, and again, I think they're an example of a company that's doing it that's doing it right or they're they're closer to that truth because they are the 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 growth and performance piece of things is they're looking to build it into the product they're trying to design their product so that they grow themselves they don't need mm-hmm. someone to market them maybe that's it it's like how do you build a product so that you don't need to hire a marketing team to go and solve it and I think that if you had more marketing people b- helping build the products, you could get to that point where mm-hmm. someone like me at that table could say, why don't we just automatically create a Facebook ad every time somebody adds a product to Hubba? Mm-hmm. And then someone will say, can we do that? Yeah, we can do that. That's not that hard. Well, it is hard, mm-hmm. but you guys can figure that out. And then all of a sudden now you you have this scalable, repeatable quote marketing campaign that's that's really now part of the product like there's code that's driving that now Mm -hmm. so whereas um you know creating a commercial that makes you feel safe to live in an airbnb or to stay in an airbnb very different yeah that's mark that's yeah 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 yeah. um so i think that's the hmm I think that's the shift that I'm kind of seeing is that like if if I'm if I was designing a product and I, I always yeah, I use SEO as kind of the 
the, the easiest one to pick on. There should not be anybody at a company who is like the SEO guy, even though I always end up being that guy. Maybe you have someone who has an opinionated idea of like a strategy for SEO, but every developer should be responsible for SEO. It just should be something that's baked into their... If, if you're a web person, if you make web apps and you don't understand SEO, you're you're missing the party. Like, because you, you could be adding so much more value to... And I know that because I've been on both sides of the fence. And mm-hmm. I think that what I'm advocating, I guess, for to kind of sum up the point is something as trivial as SEO in the future, will, there will not be an SEO job. That's not going to be a thing. It's that mm. it's going to become such, it's going to just get woven into the fabric of the dev team that everyone just knows that there are good practices you should follow when you're trying to rank for something. Um, I, I don't know if I agree. I Yeah, I, I guess in some ways, because if you even start a, Word, a WordPress site, right, you can download an SEO kind of plugin. That stuff is just baked right in and it'll handle some of that stuff for you, right? Um, but at the same time, like that landscape is just changing so fast. Like it, it the, like to keep up. Like the SEO game is really like you're you're trying to game Google, and it's basically that that's that's really the game. That's that's the role of the SEO person in 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 like eighty percent of it is really like Google. I want to get on top of Google. How how am I gonna how am I gonna game it to to make that happen? And it's it's different. Like Google's gonna change their algorithm all the time. Um, and that role changes or even before Google, that role didn't even exist, right? It's just, it's so different. Like it's going to change all, all the time. Um, uh, but I, I, okay. The reason why I think it's a good thing to look at is, okay, let's take two separate scenarios for SEO. Okay. Where you have a dedicated SEO team or you hire it even better. You, you have an external SEO consultant that you hire mm-hmm. versus some kind of an embedded resource, which is where I'm thinking more of. Okay. So if you outsource it, chances are, or, or if you farm it off to a, another team at the company, their KPIs typically are going to be revolved around things they can control. That's, that's kind of how we always, you know, design metrics. For sure. Okay. So the only tools now that are really at their tool belt are like, and we don't have to get into the nitty gritty of SEO, but they're going to be like trying to get backlinks essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe doing some light on page, changing keywords and stuff like that. But really, it's about backlinks. So they're going to be going and getting backlinks. Whereas the right answer is bring that de- bring someone who under- who does have an SEO strategy. So one of these like embedded performance growth marketer people who really mm-hmm. understands SEO, bring them into the product meetings, and they'll say like, "How do we automate getting reviews? Because if we could automate reviews, that's actually how we generate the most." Uh, mm. SEO because mm-hmm, people are mm-hmm. going to give us a backlink and give us a review. Google can, Google can use both of those things, but you you turn a very manual, a laborious process into a automated, mm. embedded process, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And every company has a way to drive SEO, and ninety percent of the good ideas fall more online with product than they do with. Right. With with marketing, even right. though SEO is traditionally a marketing function. 
So I think what you said, and we could talk about this. I don't think there's really an end to this. So maybe I can end it with like, you, you kind of maybe got closer to the truth around channels. And because when I hear myself talk about this, I am talking about channels. I think paid is going to go the way of automation and productization. Mm-hmm. So companies will start asking, how do we embed acquisition into our, like, into our, uh, into our app so that we don't have to run one-off ads? How could we, how could we do this so that we automatically have smart ads that are running, pulling from live data? This is a new thing mm-hmm. that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, then, and again, like there's a lot happening on this front, on the Shopify Facebook front. Every mm-hmm. time you change products on your Shopify page, you can have it reflect in ads now on, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So, and and these are f- first level partners that these guys are doing. This isn't like third parties. These are, these are the two companies are talking to each other. Um, so SEO is another one where it lives more on the side of productization. Influencers don't, they're not there yet. I can't see a world where you could productize influencers. So the Nike example you gave is probably going to live on the marketing side of the fence, Mm -hmm. but there are some channels that deserve to almost be embedded in product. So I look Mm -hmm. at SEO paid referrals all of that stuff are more product levers. And then there could be a, a set mm. of other things that live outside of that. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah. I think when you say levers, that that, that kind of makes makes sense. Or, when you okay, say like or, product or, levers, or, right? Or partnerships is another great example. I've run mm. into this, uh, I, I can't count how many times where, so take a traditional marketing approach to things. You would just have a sales team that's calling up partners, trying to partner with people, trying to share lists, trying to do co-marketing things, trying to, whereas again, but what if you could like, what if we could like integrate with your, with, with your system? And what if the person coming up with that idea could execute that idea or could um, like not just say, hey, this is a good idea. And then it just goes into the backlog to be prioritized um, or has to go through seven levels of approvals. Um, like you could just say, here's a company with a data set X. I'm on the product team with a bunch of developers or I, I'm a, like, I, I think, I don't know if this one actually stands up as well, but like, you know, uh, partnerships could be something that starts to bleed more into the side of, of product because, you end up having to change your product based on mm. your partners. Um, so mm. like if you were to partner with Hubba, I'm sure some developer is going to have to write code somewhere that's going to tie those systems together. Um, sure, sure. And anyway, I, I don't know if that's making sense. It's, it's getting late. Maybe yeah, I'm... but I guess at that point, like at, at some at some level though, it, it like once that... Hmm. At some level, it just becomes like a dev thing then, and it's not a marketing thing. It's just like a right. feature. And then it's just like a ticket. Yeah, 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 you're right. And then you would just be like, okay, guys, we got a new mm-hmm. ticket. We got to integrate with this thing. Don't worry about it. It's for, it's for, it's for the marketing team. Just do it. Um, I, I think I think ultimately, Ken, you should be a product manager, in my, in my opinion. And, uh depends on you know the, the product itself because I think like um, 
I, I think you, you still because I think you need to be on both sides of the fence as a product manager. I think you need to have an eye on that kind of growth aspect of things, a bit of that brand part of things, but you don't own that. But you you have to know about all these things, and you kind of just sit in the middle, which is why why I think like being a product manager or something is like it, it's like the ultimate. It, it's a fun it's a fun place to be, right? Because you get your hands in a lot of different uh, buckets. Okay, so last, well, thank you. I, I will I will look into this. Uh, <laughs> maybe last question for you. Do you think that can products, okay, could products survive without marketing? So could, could you and I build a product with no marketing? No. Maybe. Yes. I don't think it has a, yes, yes, we can. Like we can do this podcast as a product and we can build it out we don't even tell anybody about it and maybe it's someone happens to find it somewhere and it takes off but i think that chances of that success is very rare and hard hmm. because there's just so much stuff out there you need somebody to kind of go on the rooftop and say like hey, hey, hey check this out check this out hmm. no because I, I, I yeah yeah because well, i think and, that's that's almost a difference between like um like an artist versus just like a like a product you know like in some ways like artists just wants to make beautiful things that is true to them and maybe true to a thousand other people out there but they don't want to tell anybody about it they're doing it for them what skills do you have as a product manager that makes you look at an idea as simple as sending an email and knowing that that's not going to move the needle and that you probably could have come up with a better idea for that. Like clearly you know a lot about marketing, but mm -hmm. you're also a really good product person. So where do you think you picked up on that? How do you, to, to people who are wanting to become good product managers, where do they pick up those kind of marketing, that marketing common sense? Is it just experience? Can you learn it? I think it's really just knowing your channels, right? And you, you probably go through this too, but you, you kind of know what are your converting channels. You know, like if if email is like a huge lever for you and you have like a million people on your list, then fuck, that's probably a great idea. But it depends on where, where your traffic's coming. So for us, for example, I don't know, like in, most of our traffic comes from like probably the app store itself. So email is not as... Um, powerful of a kind of like fire hose, right? Mm, okay, but hang on. This is really interesting. So what you're saying, one of the things that would make you a better product manager is to be at least interested or to take an active interest in where are our users coming from, even from an acquisition standpoint. Oh, and even yeah, if, 100%. Okay, yeah. That, no, that's great. And even if you had a shitty marketing team that wasn't communicating that to you, you're saying you got to go out and find that information yourself so that you can be armed with that kind of data when someone pitches an idea like, hey, let's just send an email and you can be like, yeah, but email doesn't really work for us. So, okay, yeah. so on the flip side, what should marketers know about product so that when product says something, marketing can say, well, hang on a minute. Um, like, like, what are those metrics that you think that the marketing team should be savvy on on the product side? Hmm. Well, I guess, hmm. I guess partly it's like I, I also feel like marketing should almost define that that kind of box you're working in. So, like, if you guys, if we're designing this product, marketing might be like, 
well, like, why are you guys design like making machine guns right now when we are like a you know like a postcard company? That's that's really weird. It does not fit what we we do, or you know, like they they need to kind of in some ways rein that in in some ways, but. I don't know. Also, like, I, I would hope the product team is not dumb enough to do that if that was the case or they had, like, real just reasons to do it. Um, but it, there, there's that. But also, like, um, in what we're building, it might be like, well, there might be actually a really interesting opportunity here if you guys add this feature, tweak this thing. It's going to open up a lot of avenues for us to maybe communicate this uh, or get this out there to people. But, like, so what, what about things like... Um... Uh, key, like stats on key flows, like so. This is something that I, uh, I think, to some PMs, uh, I get, I can get under their skin where they'll be like, "Oh, but we're adding this this thing to the the news the 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 news feed," and then I'll say, "Okay," <laughs> being a snarky mm-hmm. snarky asshole. Hey, Mister PM, how many people visited the news feed last week? Mm. And then they might say like, "Uh, uh," and I'll be like, twenty seven people visited yeah. the news feed yeah. yesterday. So why do you have three engineers adding a button on the fucking news feed? Yeah. Um, now that's, <laughs> that, 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 that's like a very negative toxic way of doing it. But like, and I, I, I do that only in my fantasies. I don't do that in real life, but what, so I, I try to really know those answers. So if I'm talking to a product person about search Mm-hmm. I'm gonna before I go into that meeting. I'm going to look up um, how many searches were performed last mm-hmm. week, on mm-hmm. average. How many users use our search, um, so that when the conversation comes up, not like a gotcha moment, but I can just say, no, no, this is really important. Here's why I'm advocating for this. Thirty-five mm-hmm. percent of our users make a search in the first two days. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a huge growth potential for us. Mm-hmm. And because I think what you're advocating is if you're a product manager and you're going into a meeting with marketing, you should kind of know where acquisition is at so that. Well, it, cause, but, but in my mind, it's like it, it's like if you're a product manager and you don't know your funnel, then you're, you're, you're kind of not doing your job. OK, yeah, fair. And I, I obviously the same goes for marketing. I mean, marketing kind of lives by those numbers. So um, but, but I think what, what I like about your answer is you're kind of saying like the reason why you judge that idea so negatively is because you also know their numbers. But see, okay. So this is, this is, I guess the, maybe, maybe, maybe the, the point of like what we talked about earlier and why I think you should be a, a product manager in some ways is just because like, I think it's your job to know those numbers as a product manager. Like how, how do you make key product decisions or prioritize your backlog when you don't even know, like how many people went into your newsfeed, how many, where your traffic, what your acquisition channels are, what those things are converting at. How do you know what to even focus on? So I guess what, what's, what's, I guess the disconnect between um, me and you maybe is that I don't know if at Hubler or not, if this is like a separate team that looks at these numbers, a product team has no visibility to this. Um, but at Sago, like we, we, like at least for Sago World, which is like the, um, like a service that we have, we, we need to know those numbers. That's important. That's, that ties really into like the product decisions that we make. Okay. But, but I guess the, okay. So without getting too deep into our own, um, our, our own companies and stuff, mm-hmm. what, mm-hmm. like, 
and okay, but th- this again goes to I think maybe what I was trying to get at, maybe didn't jump out with right away and sort of say at the beginning is I, I see this world where product is ruling. Like I, I, I agree with you. I think a good PM should know those numbers. And I think what separates you from other people is you you understand enough about your world that marketing's numbers should affect how you design product. Because if your biggest channel was all email, that tells you something about your users that you're probably going to need to do in your app or something. Like there's some Mm -hmm. piece of information there that's going to make a better app Mm -hmm. if for some reason all of your acquisition comes from buying cold email lists. And Um, I guess guess what's weird though is like when you say like those are marketing numbers, like to me those are product numbers. and, And to me that's it. And that you've just... You thank you. To me, you're 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 proving this point in that I think that, but but they're but they're not though. So in really, the, like in, yes, no, they are growth or they are marketing numbers. So, and I think what I'm advocating for, and I think you and I are completely aligned, is that in the future, more and more people are going to start seeing the world through with your lens, and you're going to say things like. Hey guy, like maybe product should actually own acquisition. I mean, like but really, it, like. Yeah. But I guess it's not even. It, yeah, maybe. Um, but it's not even just owning that. Like I just like as a product person, like you just need to know. It, I find it weird that people out there who do product management they don't think about those numbers. I, I don't think a lot of them do. I there's like, a even, lot. Even if it's them not doing the actual growth. Or the actual, if it's them not actually crunching those numbers or figuring figuring that out, they should be asking those questions at least. I, like no, where I are customers coming from? But again, I think depending on how you've, um, and I'm not just talking about Hubba here. I'm talking about at least a lot of the other companies I've worked with or consulted with. No, there there's a there there does there can sometimes be this division between marketing and product, and mm. I think that the um, but like, would you necessarily, uh, but, but, but again, I think where, where that line gets drawn though, is when it comes to branding and, uh, the other stuff we were talking about, which to me still squarely resides in the marketing camp. Like you yeah, as a sure. product manager probably can't have a lot of influence over, um, or like it, you really shouldn't have a super strong opinion on, um, what PR outlet you're going to get covered in um, in the next month or something like that. Like that that should probably be pretty low on your list of, of things to do. But mm-hmm. when it comes to marketing channels and acquisition, I think that what you're saying is no, like you, you want to know, you need to know that stuff. And, yeah. and, and I think what I'm saying is as a marketer, I try to go into those meetings with product, with all of the product information so that I can have a, an educated conversation. And maybe mm-hmm. what you're saying is I'm more of a product manager than I am a marketer in, in, yeah. in your, in your definition. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely in my mind. And, uh, I, I guess it's like if, if you also use marketing, not just as a brand thing, but as a resource in terms of like, this is, I think an opportunity of how we, um, want to like any of these kind of customer touch points where you're kind of communicating something to customers. I think it's always good to get like a marketing 
uh, viewpoint on that as well. Even if it was like if you talk about this separation where marketing is like this uh, brand and PR, but they're really the voice of the company in some ways, the voice of the brand. So right. in, in that regard, I think it's nice to also include them in terms of like figuring out what that what that messaging is to them, to the customer, right? How, how we're speaking to the customer. Yeah, no, I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, All right, but, dude. Uh, yeah, you're, dude, you're, 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 you should be a product person through and through. <laughs> no, but, 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 and again, what now I understand your ketone example because I think if everybody thought like you, then you could have this, in, you could almost have an internal services team, an internal services marketing team mm-hmm. where you'd have an ads guy, a, um, an email person, uh, a copy person. And then because you do care about all these things, just like you have developers who can do a whole bunch of different things, you could just open a ticket with marketing and say, I need X. And then Mm -hmm. you can make sure that that actually gets executed to your standards to make the product as good as you need to be. And again, this is the kind of stuff that I think I'm advocating for, which is like why, okay, imagine if you had not just a head of marketing, but you had like, ahead of um, um, of ads or something like that. Mm-hmm. And now you need to broker another mind. Like you need to get alignment with another person. Like mm-hmm. you probably have a pretty good idea of what that ad should do. You don't care what it says. You don't care mm-hmm. what the, the copy is. But you probably could create a ticket yourself that says, we should have an ad that does X, Y, Z. Now, mm-hmm. you're not going to actually go handle those details. But the person thinking about we need an ad to do X, would you agree that in your world that's probably falling more on the PM? Yeah, I, but I, I, I guess I wouldn't think of it in terms of like we need an ad to do X. I think of it as like this is an acquisition channel that we are under-indexed on and okay, maybe well, we no, can no, do no. better one on sec, this. One sec, let, let, let me reframe the question you would have a very strong opinion about whatever ad was going to go in front of customers for you, for the game that you just made. No, no, I, I don't care what the actual ad is. I, 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 I would care about like, are we running ads? Is this a valid yes. okay, sorry. channel for us? Right. Like you, you've gone to the trouble of creating this game. Clearly you want people to play it. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that you've got a good strategy for your, for your, Mm-hmm. Your, yeah okay mm-hmm. but right. I, but i but i, I think can like again i think the difference is that when you're talking about software as a service and it's a living breathing thing it's it's different i think you need to know your funnels you need to know your numbers in that way but when you're talking about like i just built this shoe and i'm moving it you might not need that as much Maybe I could argue that you probably do just in different ways, but yeah, I, I hear you. It, it is it is definitely different. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, man, we just hit the okay. three hour mark. This is a long one. So, okay, basically, <laughs> the reason why I kept on going was because, and I'm glad you played along. That last like fifteen or twenty minutes is actually like the crux of the, of the like. Okay. Yeah, this this, this is actually going to be really good. I'm going to have to edit this one, but this is this is going to be good. It's going to be hard to edit. It's going to be a lot, a lot of stuff to edit, man. No, no, no. This, this is good. Uh, okay, cool, man. All right. Tell me how it goes. Have, yeah. have a good one. I got a Thanks. <laughs> See you. Bye. See you.
Choose one. Choose one. Hey, bring it back. Bring it back. Now double your money and make it stack. I'm on to the next one. On to the next. I'm